that's another big kind of aspect is, you know, making sure, focusing on our people, focusing on our talent, making sure that, you know, if you want to be focused on research, we have a place for you and we can, you know, find ways to, to include those talents and also grow those talents through, you know, conferences, through, um, you know, uh, trainings that we, we put together. Um, if you want to focus on visual, like we have a place for you and my whole methodology and, and thought behind this is, you know, let's not mold our designers and what we need them to be. Let's make them, let's let them grow into what they want to be and let's find a place for them. Howdy and welcome to the user flows podcast. It's great to have you back this week. We're going to be talking with Evan Tyreman, who is the Director of Design Operations at Prudential Financial. Evan and I worked together uh, for some time. Um, he was a really fun guy to work with, and I'm really excited about his new position and new role, and I can't wait to dig into that with him. Evan previously comes from the biomedical engineering field, and he's always been very passionate about helping people, which is what led him to UX Design. And his background in engineering really drives him to discover the unknown, while his empathy and compassion in helping people helps him to understand the wonder of people. And ultimately, his understanding of users, along with his creativity, inspires Evan to create experiences to change the world. And to Evan, user experience is more than a job or a skill set. It's about passion. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So welcome, Evan. It's great to have you here tonight. Um, really excited to talk to you. It's been a while since we've seen each other. So for everybody listening, Evan and I um, work together at Prudential Financial, and Evan has just been named uh, Design Operations Director. Is that correct? That is correct. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no problem, man. So I wanted to talk to you a bit about, because you have a very interesting kind of background, and also you were one of those people that I was you know, very blown away by when I started working with you, because you kind of welcomed me into Prudential. I think you were the first person that kind of you know, showed up at my desk, you had a whole kind of care package of Prudential <laughs> gear and stuff, which was really cool. And you got me set up with my machine and everything going and some very nice cards from everybody. And uh, I think once you stopped doing that role, like onboarding for the people that came in after me, was just terrible. Yeah. <laughs> so it was a very That's nice funny. welcome. Yeah, it's funny you bring it up because you were, you were actually the first person that I did that to as well. Oh, okay. <laughs> You were pretty much the first person we brought in, I think, after I started kind of revamping our onboarding system. And I think it worked well on the first shot. Yeah, yeah, but, no, it went great. It went that's great. Good, that's great. Yeah, but you were definitely, you know, wise beyond your ears. I, I figured you had been working in UX for a number of years. And then I found out that this was like your first big role, which um, in UX design, which kind of blew me away. So if you don't mind, would you kind of dive into, you know, how you ended up at Prudential and how you went from biomedical engineering. <laughs> yeah. US. Biomedical engineering. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, definitely a crazy journey um, over the past. Uh, I graduated college and uh, JIT as a biomedical engineer in 2017. So okay. over the past, let's say four years yeah. has been definitely a wild, wild ride. Um, I don't know how far you want me to go back, but you know, I could go back kind of <laughs> to like when I started hearing about about the world of UX um, and, and my kind of emergence into that. Um, so you know, uh, towards kind of the end of my college career, and, and you know, I went to I went to NJT um, thinking that I really wanted to be into like you know problem solving and, and really kind of taking on critical 
problems mm-hmm. uh, and putting, you know, my eyes on it and, and trying to solve it in ways that other people wouldn't think about solving it. Um, and that's just kind of how who I was as a person, you know, growing up, I really loved complicated problems. Both my parents were engineers. So, you know, more or less, I was kind of destined to go to an engineering school and kind of follow in their footsteps. But as I was kind of going through that, I did realize that, um, you know, the, the problems that I were solving weren't fulfilling. You know, I was doing kind of, you know, I went into the, the area of biomedical engineering because uh, I wanted to help people, too. Mm-hmm. That was another big motivation for me. Right um, but I, I feel like the the problems were so that we were solving we we're solving at such a slow pace, and I, it wasn't really fulfilling to be, you know, on a project that would see fruition in you know, five to ten years. Right um, I wanted to see you know immediate change, and, and I wanted to really work at a fast pace, uh, and that's really what kind of made me step away from the world of biomedical engineering uh, and look towards other avenues that I can use like those same kind of problem solving techniques, but also in the same way, you know, try to really help people and, and get to know, uh, and learn about people. Um, and a lot of my close friends, uh, one of the previous ones you had on your podcast, Brian, right. uh, good, good college friend of mine. Um, he really, you know, opened me up to the, the world of UX and what it is. And he showed me, you know, you get to involve the users in, in creating these, these designs. Um, you know, actually through college, I was very kind of design was a little bit of my hobby. Okay. Um, so I like to, you know, I worked as like, you know, PR managers for certain organizations, you know, doing up flyers and learning Photoshop. So like, I still had, you know, a little bit of love for design. I never really like kind of dove into it, but, you know, he showed me that like UX was a crossroad of, you know, design and problem solving uh, and, and also, you know, involving, involving your users at the end of the day. And, you know, I saw that and I don't know what it was, just like a light bulb kind of hit. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's when I realized like, oh, wow, this, this might be like more of a career for me than, than engineering. So, you know, by the time I made that decision, it was kind of towards the end of my college career. So I was like, okay, let me suck it up. Let me finish college. Let me get a degree. Let me make my parents happy. Um, which <laughs> hopefully they don't hear this. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, let me, let me finish off college strong, um, and let me let me look into into this career path. Um, and I was actually very surprised to find that I wasn't I wasn't alone. There were a lot of people that really came from very non traditional backgrounds uh, in UX design. Uh, and, and found their way into into this field, uh, and a lot of them did go through courses. Um, oh, sorry, a lot of them weren't really coming out of right out of college. Uh, a lot of them were coming through these kind of pipelines of. Uh, I went to General Assembly, but there was a lot of other kind of programs like that that people were just kind of going, doing a quick course, you know, over you know a couple months, uh, and having some sort of design acumen, and that's why I really like really brought me into design is that I can, you know, for very minimal amount of time, I can really kind of change my career trajectory mm-hmm. and really find um, a way into this field that I didn't need to redo college at all. And that that was another big thing that really like made it worth it yeah. in a way. Yeah, it's a huge um, time and cost savings, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, and that, that was also a big sell for my parents, too. You know, <laughs> it was pretty crazy for them. You know, they paid a good majority of my college to yeah. say, like, eh, I'm not going to use that degree anymore. I'm going to go find <laughs> something else. Yeah. And then I was, you know, sitting there ready to foot the bill. Yeah. I was like, oh, wait, no, I really need to think about how I'm going to afford this. And, and that actually made it, you know, going to a, a school where it was just a few months really made it worth it. And then coming out of that, you know, I really did have. Um, at least the skill set to do yep. what um, 
what was what was needed to get kind of an entry level into the job. Um, I didn't, you know, I didn't have like a full sense to be like a, a full mid-level designer, but I did have kind of the skill set needed and, and the rest of it was kind of my my drive and determination yeah. to kind of bring it over the finish line and, and find that like real kind of start to your career. Um, so yeah, going through going through General Assembly um, definitely was the right choice. Um, I, I definitely wouldn't have changed it to the world uh, yeah. if I could. Um, and I met a lot of great people along the way too. A lot of, yeah. like I said, a lot of people came from non-traditional backgrounds. There was uh, architects in our class. There was um, fashion designers, photographers, um, even a geologist was was in our class learning to be a, really? a UX designer. Yeah, she yeah. you know studied rocks and then decided to <laughs> she wanted to study people. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and I thought that that was really like. You know, not to get too like deep, but like that, I thought that was really beautiful that people were coming from all different walks of life yeah. into this like path, and, and people brought their their different nuances. You know, people that still came from a creative field back and in, came into UX had more of a creative mindset versus people like me um, and and the geologist came from a more scientific background and they came with more of a research focused mindset. Yeah. So like it's it's I want to really what I'm getting at is there, there's like there's a spot for everyone, I think, in this field, yeah. no matter what kind of walk of life you come from. Uh, I really, you know, there is always a place somewhere within yeah. this crazy field that you can kind of really fall into and fall into that niche. And that's kind of where I fell into. And that's kind of what guided me down this path of, you know, I, I still use my engineering mindset, um, you know, even though I fin- you know, I say I don't use the degree. I very <laughs> much do. I very much did yeah. go through an engineering coursework and I use that to um, create my design processes and, and kind of lead what I'm doing uh, throughout that, that design process. And that's kind of what guided me towards operations in a way. Yeah. Um, really, you know, I, I'm a very sense. kind of methodical person. I want, you know, certain things to, to happen and they need to happen for a certain reason. Um, and yeah, that's ultimately what kind of guided me towards uh, the, this kind of career set. And it's not like I chose to be an operations manager. It's just, I think that my skills kind of naturally tended me to be towards that. Yeah. Uh, and I think, you know, I very much do thank the people that I've worked with, um, especially at Prudential, who kind of empowered me to take these kind of roles and positions and see kind of the potential in me, even though I couldn't see it. You know, I was just kind of like doing my designs and, and just trying to get through and get projects out as, as yeah. fast as I could. Um, and one of the funniest was um, Lorraine. You you remember yeah, Lorraine? I remember Lorraine. Uh, she was the greatest. But when I when we were in like project planning, they were like, "Okay, well, how, like, how long do you think it'll take to get this done?" Uh, Lorraine was about to say like, you know, maybe two or three weeks, and I was like, "Oh yeah, like four days." Lorraine looked at me. She's like, "Don't overpromise." <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, you don't want to overpromise. I'm like, but that's you know, that's I think about efficiency, and I want to make sure that these things can happen. Because that means we can do more with our time and provide more value for our customers yeah. uh, with, with our time. So, you know, I always laugh to, to think, you know, <laughs> Lorraine was saying I was being too efficient <laughs> for, hey. from that perspective. That's good advice. Yeah. So never overpromise. But, um, no, and I remember you would you would take on certain things like, you know, managing the kind of user testing.com um, kind of platform. And also you kind of took over the whole running of the usability testing lab that we had there mm-hmm. and kind of got that back up and running. And also like, you know, the work that you did finally led us to actually getting people in the door to 
um, test with and everything, which was great, you know, just in time for COVID to kick in and for all of us to then get know, kicked out of that all away. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, hopefully you'll be back soon and you can, you know, use it again. But yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I mean, I definitely found that kind of, that I kind of fell into more out of necessity. I think, you know, we all know research is definitely a big part of this, um, you know, this process. And I myself take that very much to heart, you know, going back to my background in, in uh, science and, and being very analytical, you know, yeah. I think research is really at the core of what we do. You know, design has its part, but I think research really does, um, does really shine in the kind of the designs we were able to produce at the end of the day. And, you know, I feel like we weren't really uh, fully activating our kind of research arm. And mm -hmm. that's why I really wanted to take on like, okay, well, we have this beautiful, shining yeah. new lab that's probably been used uh, as many times as I can count on my hand. Yeah. Um, All and, the bells you know, and whistles, was, yeah. I know, it was great. And I thought it was such a shame that we weren't, you know, utilizing it to our, its fullest potential. Um, and that's really what made me kind of take that on to, to really push that, that initiative. And it definitely wasn't easy, you know, especially, um, you know, Prudential has a lot of kind of guidelines and, and restrictions, um, and they're not really used to a field like ours where we're like, oh, let's bring in a bunch of random people and talk to them. Like, <laughs> like no, don't yeah, no, do that. You can't bring anybody in here. Yeah. yeah. But I'm like, why not? Um, but, uh, you know, that's that's one of the big things is breaking down those kind of silos uh, and, and really kind of trying to change the the traditional landscape of, of kind of corporate design. Yeah. Wow. Uh, and that's definitely one of the challenges we have to deal with day in, day out. Yep. Um, is yeah yeah really breaking those down yeah and it's funny the last um uh, conference i went to before you know covid took over everything um there was a really good talk by two guys at johnson and johnson funny enough now they're very much involved in this whole covid thing um, mm -hmm. and one of the the guys talking it was all about design operations <clears throat> and he had a great quote which i really liked that you know he said design operations is all about clearing the roadblocks so that designers can design and his whole point behind that was that, you know, designers, UX, developers, all that, it's a highly specialized skill set. And so companies pay a premium, you know, for these people's talents. And if, you know, any time that they're not spending designing or building, then the company is wasting a gigantic amount of money. So do you kind of like feel like that's kind of part of what your role is going to be or? Oh, for sure. Um, I mean, you know, operations even a design team of one needs operations. Yeah. Um, it's just kind of built into how we work. You know, we, there is a very specific process and design methodology that we like to follow. And even though you are one person, you're still, you know, doing project planning and, and working on your tool set and, yeah. and making sure that you're communicating with the right people. Um, well, if you scale that up to a design team of 60 to, to 100, what does that look like? You can't have every single yeah. person at design org doing design operations. It would be a catastrophic nightmare. <laughs> um, and that's, that's where I come in. You know, I take that load off of these people. I take that mostly off of these managers and, and mm -hmm. VPs that have been kind of running these teams. Um, and, and I kind of standardize it. And I, I also make it kind of, you know, just putting my business cap on, I make it cheaper for them too. You know, they're spending so many hours of their day or week, um, doing operations, that's time that they're not spending designing and at the end of the day, providing value for our customers and Prudential. 
Nice. Um, so I take that and I consolidate that and I, I, you know, whatever overlap there is, I can take that on. Uh, and now that all that cost has kind of been eaten up by me and they can focus mostly on what they're there to do, which like you said, is, is to design. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm very much, you know, trying to clear the roadblocks. Um, also trying to make sure the machine's still running. We're still moving <laughs> forward. Yeah. Um, but also on the other end, I see a different way, you know, um, design operations also really tries to, to make sure that, you know, uh, in its, in its core, you know, design provides value, like I said, to our customers and, and, and Prudential. Um, but how can we kind of take the value that they provide, provide and kind of amplify that or grow that, uh, and make sure that, you know, one designer can, can provide 10 times the value that they would without a design operations manager. Uh, and that's really what I, what I also do is try to kind of champion the team, make sure the team has the, not just the tools necessary, but the, to do their job, but also the means necessary to grow, uh, as designers in our company. Um, yeah. that's another big kind of aspect is, you know, making focusing on our people, focusing on our talent, making sure that, you know, if you want to be focused on research, we have a place for you and we can, you know, find ways to, to include those talents and also grow those talents through, you know, conferences, through, um, you know, uh, trainings that we, we put together. Mm -hmm. Um, if you want to focus on visual, like we have a place for you and my whole methodology and, and thought behind this is, you know, let's not mold our designers and what we need them to be. Let's make them, let's let them grow into what they want to be and let's find a place for them. Oh, I think, that's really yeah, cool. Yeah. Having that kind of methodology and thought, um, really gives you designers that want to stay, you know, they know that you're there to invest in their future. Yeah. Um, so they want to be a part of Prudential's future. Oh, that's, that's fantastic. And that's, um, that's especially important, I would say in this kind of market, because right now as a UX designer, if you have any kind of experience under your belt, you can almost go anywhere. And so it is really hard for companies to attract and to, you know, keep talent. Um, if you throw any kind of unnecessary, you know, uh, nuisances in their way, I mean, they're just going to bounce. It's kind of, the yeah, way trust it me, I've, I've seen it so many times here and you've definitely seen it too. Um, oh, yeah. It's, it's oh, yeah. hard to keep designers, especially in this market where, you know, there's so many design jobs and there's so many opportunities yeah. um, for, for designers, you know, how do we really keep them? And it really comes down to, you know, what are, how do you value your designers? You know, what are you doing to make sure that they're, 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 they're valued at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, and, and that's ultimately you know, how you, how we can keep our designers. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, everybody wants to work in a place where they feel not only welcome, but, you know, valued and also just a place with, uh, that they feel comfortable. They feel allowed, you know, allowed to express themselves, allowed to try new things, allowed to grow like you're doing now, which is fantastic. So yeah. I know a big part of what you're doing now is also kind of helping manage, bringing in a, a number of new people and new roles. So I guess if you could, um, from the perspective of the hiring manager, so somebody who might be looking for their first job, might be looking for their second job, kind of, what's the process kind of look like from your perspective? So they get a little bit of insight, you know, of what happens after they send that resume in or, you know, have that first phone call. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, a lot of my role is focused on, on our talent and making sure that we have the right people where we need them. Hmm. Um, and you know, coming from kind of the other end of the table, you know, I, I went through, you know, so many different um, job applications when I was looking for, for work for the first time. Yeah. And it's, it's hard. 
Oh yeah. You know, you, <laughs> no, for nothing, you, you feel awful when you get so many kind of rejections and you don't know why, and no one's really kind of explaining it to you. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, now on the other end of the table, you know, I'm, you know, looking at resumes and looking for what I'm looking for. Now I see, you know, there's a lot of resumes that people go through from a hiring manager's perspective, and you really need to kind of figure a way to, to, to stand out. Um, what I really look for, you know, is not kind of like end products, you know, mm-hmm. anyone could produce maybe a really high, you know, sexy looking mock-up, right um, you know, follow certain design guidelines mm-hmm. or put it a, com- a couple of like, you know, zinger words. Um, but what I'm really looking for is kind of process driven. You know, okay. I really want to get to know what is Tom thinking as he's designing this product? How, how is he kind of going across it? Not that like, oh, he's just going to use a, a user interview or a contextual inquiry. I want to know why he's using a contextual interview or um, a contextual inquiry. Um, that kind of puts me in, in the designer's seat and really gets to know, okay, well, this is how they're going to drive our projects. This is how they're going to uh, lead these kind of initiatives um, with this with this design process. Um, so that's definitely one of the things I'm looking for, kind of just on a, a surface level, you know, just looking at portfolios and resumes. Um, and then when it gets to like interviews, I've already kind of seen what you can produce in design. What At that point, what I really want to know is you know, who you, who are you as a designer? What really drives you and motivates you um, at the end of the day? Because really what I'm trying to look for in those interviews is, are you going to fit into this team? And are you going to give us and produce value for this team? You know, what, what kind of drive and, and passion do you have towards design and towards users at the end of the day? That's going to produce, produce value. Because like I said, anyone could go through a process X, Y, Z and produce some sort of outcome. Yeah. But what that outcome is really depends on how they go through that and how, in, in quote, how they actually designed, not what they designed. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure, you know, with everybody being remote right now, the just the added um, difficulties of conducting online interviews with the extra awkwardness yeah. is a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely been a challenge for all of us um, yeah. to figure out. And also, you know, just the, the whole online aspect of, of running a team, too. It's very hard to kind of socialize and, and you know, per se, have those kind of uh, those coffee room breaks, break chats and all that yeah. that we always loved. Yeah. So it's definitely been a, been a challenge just to, you know, have the, the thing that make teams teams. Yeah. You know, those little kind of moments yeah. here and there. And that's excellent. I, I do like the idea of the uh, the coffee chats much more than the happy hours. Like if I'm going to be having a drink, I don't want to be looking at my computer. <laughs> yeah, we've we've actually been doing that a lot more. You know, we're trying to be going away from the typical happy hour where like one person's talking and it's really awkward to doing yeah. more of like you know small little coffee chats. Let's let's pull in like three or four people here and let's just talk for like thirty minutes. That's one of the things that we've kind of found a lot of success in lately. Yeah, oh, that's great. Uh, just, yeah, just pulling in like a few people here and there. Yeah, oh, that's a lot of fun. And so obviously you kind of talked through, you know, um, your time at General Assembly, which how long is the course at General Assembly? I'm not too familiar. Yeah, so there uh, I took the UX Design Immersive course, which is kind of their kind of like top of the, the, the line. They have part times and boot camps and those are good yep, yep. for people that are kind of already in the field. But their immersive is about is a 10 week course. Okay. Uh, and it's a Monday through Friday and they say, you know, nine to five, 
but when they really mean is like nine to like 10 or 11 o'clock at night. So, (laughs) (laughs) and that's fair. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Whenever you're, whenever you're not in class, you're doing projects with your group or you're sleeping or you're eating. Yeah. And even then you don't really have much time to eat. So yeah. yeah. When I did the Coursera course, I remember I was doing many late nights and long weekends and it was it was all worth it though. Um but that's really cool. Yeah. And I've interviewed a number of people who came out of General Assembly. I think we've hired a few. Um it's and I've heard people rag on like these kind of boot camps and things like that. And I don't see it because a lot of the people who come through have been absolutely exceptional and you know brought really kind of a great energy to our team and we're kind of instantly on the ground running. So a lot of people obviously coming out of these boot camps kind of failed to do obviously what you did. Um, what do you think made the difference kind of in your career going from general assembly to now design director of operations at like a huge financial institution? It's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, if you told me three or four years ago when I was doing this general assembly, that I'd be a director in four years, I'd be like, yeah, you're insane. (laughs) (laughs) Back up. Um, But, you know, I I would definitely say these courses are are great for people that are really looking to make a change in their career and Mm -hmm. and take make a shift. Um, But you really need to have kind of the drive and passion and dedication for it. You know, like I said, the these courses are nine to five, nine to ten o'clock at night every night. Yep, that's yep. just the course itself. Um, you need to also be thinking about what are you doing after the course. You know, how are you really going to push yourself to become a better designer at the end of the day? Uh, to kind of walk f- head first into adversity uh, and and know, you know, maybe not know exactly what to do, but know, you know, have a good sense of how to kind of adapt to these kind of situations. And, right. and that's something I think general assembly really taught me. And it's, it's not something that you can really teach on, on paper or in a classroom. It's really something that you got to teach by doing. Um, and they, you know, they, they put you through these very tight timelines where you really need to be adaptable and, and learn how to kind of bend and not snap. Uh, yeah. And there, you know, there were very <laughs> certain points of the, the, that course where I was ready to snap. And oh, yeah. I saw people in our course that did snap and it was not pretty. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, you really, you know, you need to get into the mindset of why am I here? What am I doing? Why am I doing this? Um, and, and at the end of the day, you know, I really was passionate about this is this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. And, and this is what I really feel like I have a calling for. Uh, and I really feel, you know, like like this is this is me. Yeah. And um, that kind of really got me good, got me going through through the program. Um, and, you know, definitely getting into the, into the field after these programs is not easy to, you know, you, you come out of these programs, um, you know what to do, you know, the process it's drilled into you, you've worked projects and you've, you know, luckily with general assembly, you get to work with an actual client, like a real, so you actually have some industry experience, Mm -hmm. but I'm not going to say it's like a guaranteed job for you. You know, you're not coming out of, you know, you are competing with people that are coming out of college with, you know, four years of experience on their belt. So, like, you do have to have some differentiating qualities from those people, but also the people that just came out of General Assembly, too. You know, they are also kind of, you know, as much as they are your colleagues, they are competing against you for for these jobs that that are out there. And luckily, you know, there are enough jobs out there for all of us, but, you know, you still need to differentiate yourself. And that's really kind of what I focused on coming out of general assembly. Um, my first, I wouldn't say 
I mean, it was definitely was a real job, but it wasn't my first kind of full-time job. Mm-hmm. Uh, but coming out of General Assembly, I was working with the client I worked with at the end of our last project. So I was able to get close nice. with them, close with the, it was a small, like three person startup yeah. based in New Jersey, but I was able to get really close with them uh, and talk them into a contract deal. And that, you know, that contract deal for, let it, you know, it was only for like three or four months and creating this one kind of system for them. Um, but that really set me apart. That set me apart from the rest of my general assembly colleagues as like, I had something else under my, my belt. Yeah. Um, and that really is what kind of gave me the kind of edge over, um, over a lot of my other colleagues coming out and edge coming into Prudential is like, okay, I had this one project that I did kind of by myself, um, that I could really speak to. Um, but again, you know, the skill set and, and the demeanor is a lot of, it's a big chunk of it. But really what brought me over the edge was kind of my network, you know, working with people like like Brian um, or another good friend that uh, has been all through college without me, with me uh, mm-hmm. and into the field Mirage, um, but also a lot of the friends I made going to meetups and, and yeah. you know, immersing myself into the field, not just the courses, but going to actual meeting other designers and, and really kind of diving headfirst into UX design. That's what really set me up. You know, that's how I found Prudential. And that's how, you know, I was referred into this position yep. was through my network. And that, yeah. You know, that gave me the, the, the foot in the door I needed. And then everything else, all my coursework, all my projects, all my kind of passion towards it. Yeah. That's what took it home. Right so, on. Yeah. And no, it, it uh, is. It's, it's a mix of all these different aspects that, you know, will get you and land you that first job. Um, and then from there, there's no, you know, there's no end goal. You got to keep going. You got to keep yeah. pushing. Um, and, you know, through kind of hard work and determination and a lot of passion for for what I do, <laughs> um, I was able to work my way up through the ranks. Um, still unbelievable to me. Yeah. But um, well, it's well know. deserved. Well deserved. Don't you know, believe, <laughs> believe it. it. You deserve it. So, oh. yeah. So, yeah. Um, and the networking thing is I was hugely important. My first job in UX, I mean, I had worked in design for a long time, but the person who first hired me for like actual full-time UX role hired me because we were old friends who had done a ton of design projects, you know, um, together. And so keeping those contacts is hugely important. And that's actually, and we talked a little bit about why I'm doing this show earlier, Mm -hmm. but another reason is not only to, you know, strengthen relationships I already have with people like you, who I know, but also get out and meet other people. Like right now we're all stuck in our homes. Like you can't go out to meet up. So but why not like meet the people I see on LinkedIn and other places, Instagram, and just say, Hey, you want to come on the show and, you know, talk about design with me. So it kind of helps me build my own network as well. And yeah, I mean, your network is super important. Um, you know, this is, you know, a very small community per se of designers that we have and, you know, everyone really kind of knows each other. Um, we have kind of the, the people, the thought leaders on top, and I know people that are hanging out with those thought leaders and they're like just one kind of network away from like a really big opportunity. So like those are the things that you kind of want to bank on, you know, if you're looking for the next role or next opportunity is, you know, get in with those those kind of those networks. Yeah. Uh, they're only just kind of a pretty much a phone call away or just a name drop away from you <laughs> to really be, you know, in contact with a, a VP at one of the big, you know, firms or, or big fortune companies. Um, so yeah, your network is like super, super important. Uh, and I am very thankful of like, 
um, getting to know so many people uh, at Prudential coming in and out um, and really seeing and meeting a lot of people and getting to know them, yeah. um, especially like like you are, are very, you know, good part of my network um, where I can count on you for like, hey, you know, is there is there an opportunity for this person or is there do you have any opportunities for me moving forward? And, and we really kind of share that kind of uh, connection with each other, which is super important. Absolutely. And yeah, actually just totally made me just realize it. But the reason I'm at the job I'm at now is because of somebody I met at Prudential, <laughs> actually a couple of people yeah. I met at Prudential. And yeah. yeah, so obviously everybody listening, networking, obviously a huge part of finding that first, second, third, 20th role. So always continue. You never to, know. Yeah, yeah so you never know when you're going to need to, you know, go into your network 20 years down the line, but yeah. it's still there. Absolutely. Well, that's really cool. So you've obviously, you've been doing this now for four years or more. Um, out of all the things you learned, you know, at a general assembly, is there anything I get, like, what's the biggest surprise? Like maybe you thought like, Oh, I'm going to do so much of this, but you don't actually do any of that. Or like, what's been kind of the biggest surprise of, you know, actually working in UX and, um, opinions. Ah, lots okay. and lots of opinions. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, General Assembly, you are with a bunch of people that are learning to be designers, being taught by people that are designers. Um, you don't really, and and you you do this in kind of a bubble. I will say, mm -hmm. um, you don't kind of deal with all the nuances of UX design that <laughs> come with it. You know, all the yeah. crazy stakeholders that you're going to have that say it needs to be this way and it needs to be this done done this way. Mm -hmm. um, or all the developers that are like yeah we can't build that or you know that doesn't meet meet our guidelines or that that's going to take too long to build those are the things that they don't really prepare you for yeah. um but you you definitely need to be aware of um that there is a there is a real world outside of this perfect world that is general assembly oh absolutely um, you know no no ragging on them but i you know i do wish there was a way to kind of you know teach or prepare those kind of things but there isn't there yeah. is no way to really teach how to rope in a, a, a stray developer or, you know, deal with an angry stakeholder yeah. <laughs> that is, you have to break to them that their, their project's not going to meet their deadline. Um, but, you know, those are things that, you know, you hopefully will gain as you move in, move through your career and move up. Um, yeah. It's just the soft skills you get to learn. And uh, I'm very glad that Prudential did have a bunch of those characters. <laughs> Um, for better or for worse, yep. but you know, I definitely feel like I learned a lot and I feel like I've become very adaptable, um, to those different situations just cause you know, I've seen, I've seen quite a bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, fair enough. That's a kind of one of those, or one of you the probably many, share this too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> many skills you have to learn kind of outside of design in order to make design happen in a lot of ways, managing people's you know opinions and all the different kind of feedback you get, um, and also as a UX designer, it's maybe, maybe it's different for something like being an accountant where, you know, the numbers kind of don't lie, but when it comes to design, I mean, everything is kind of up to somebody's opinion. And since what we do is visual, everybody has, you know, the ability to comment on it and talk about why they don't like it and <laughs> why. It yeah, should be, one of my, you know, okay. yeah. One of my good friends is like, has a great saying it's, um, you know, everyone can be a designer, but not everyone can be a great designer. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that at the end of the day, you know, everyone in this, in this conference room is trying to be a designer right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
But at the end of the day, who's who's actually you know how do we find the good designers that we need to get this get this done? Right on. Um, but also, you know, how do we how do we listen to those different opinions? Um, because they are they're very valid opinions. Uh, we need to you know take those into account at the end of the day. But yeah, it's been <laughs> it's always a challenge, you know, who to listen to and why. <laughs> yeah. Oh well, that's very cool. Um, I think you kind of hit on. I was going to ask a bunch of questions, but you kind of went through everything. Um, I can't imagine what your Sorry, parents. I blab a lot. No, no, it's, it's wonderful. Um, it allows me not to because I don't wasn't born with the gift of gab. Um, but no, I can't. I just can't imagine your parents' face when you said, "I'm going to leave biomedical engineering to go into design." Is actually um, my wife did something similar where she was in med school. And she told her parents that she was going to go into interior design and they about disowned her, but (laughs) (laughs) luckily in the, in the end it all worked out, but, and obviously it's worked out for you as well. So. Yeah. You should have seen their faces when I told them that um, I was (laughs) leaving design role to become a director. Yeah. Uh, They were, they were very kind of, uh, dumbfounded at that to yeah. see, you know, oh my god, that's awesome. <laughs> he's been in this for four years and and becoming a director. That's that's crazy, and I don't think they ever expected something like that. You know, design was very new to them. I think my dad used to call it Unix design, not even UX <laughs> Unix. That's really funny. So it, it, it took him like maybe two or three years for me to be in the industry for him to actually understand what actually UX meant, but. Oh. <laughs> But uh, cool. no, they've been, I mean, they've definitely been great supporters of, of me and, and that decision moving forward. You know, it definitely wasn't an easy pill for them as well, but having that support network to want me to be successful mm-hmm. um, really kind of drove drove a lot of my passion design, passion for design um, and, and wanted me to, to really be kind of the, the best that I could be no matter what field I was in. Uh, I think my parents really instilled that in me yeah. um, to, to take whatever you're doing and you know do it with a passion do it with a very fervent fire nice. um and i do that i do that today <laughs> I'll do that tomorrow when i wake yeah. up <laughs> and i'll keep doing that that's wonderful so i guess uh to end this kind of what would your advice be to you know the person either considering general assembly or one of the other boot camps or possibly about to finish it up and maybe having trouble finding that first role kind of give them the pep talk to, you know, keep going. (laughs) Yeah. Um, You know, I think one of the the biggest things that really came, kept me going in this is really understanding, you know, why do you really want to be here? You know, what is, what is your why at the end of the day? Um, and, And for me, it was, you know, I had a passion for helping people and I wanted to really, you know, get to get to the bottom and really make, a difference in people's lives mm-hmm. um and you know that's why i was very focused on making designs that really helped you know helped our end user you know talking to users through user interviews and and doing usability testing like actually talking to the people who we design for and why we're here mm-hmm. um that, that that gave me you know joy and happiness and really gave me a passion towards this um so really you know get get an understanding of why why you want to be in this field um, you know, anyone can, can sit in a classroom and learn a course, but not many people can really, you know, understand passion. Um, and, and once you kind of unearth that and figure out what that, what that passion is, and maybe it's people, maybe it's design, maybe it's, you know, you, uh, some other thing, 
Um, but figuring out what, what your why is at the end of the day um, is really going to set you on the right path to completing these kind of courses and not just the courses, but whatever comes after that, you know, anything else in your career. Um, there's been so many times where I've been so frustrated with, with, uh, you know, a meeting at the end of the day, but then I sit down and I'm like, okay, this is why I'm here. This is why I'm doing this. Um, this is really, this is really what I believe in at the end of the day is, is creating great designs that help good people. Yeah. Um, and, you know, really finding that passion is, is what drives me. You know, it, yeah. it gets me to wake up in the morning, makes me happy. Um, it makes me excited to, to see what's next and yeah. what's next to come. <laughs> I love that. Um, and that, uh, I got great advice actually when I was at Prudential after a particularly tense uh, stakeholder meeting, a lot of people yelling and screaming at each other. Um, and I left typical Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I, I walked out, you know, very kind of in a huff and he kind of pulled me aside and said, remember, like at one point in time, this is where you wanted to be. So, you know, enjoy it and relax and, you know, tomorrow will be better. And it definitely was. And that was, I think a great piece of advice is that, you know, I was kind of somewhere where a few years ago I wouldn't have expected I could have been. So um, you have to kind of look at it, you know, with the same passion that you had when you first started out for it. So, yeah, I love that. You got to, you know, you always, always in, in anything you're doing, you got to take a step back and remember, what did I do to get here? You yeah. know, what did it take and what kind of sacrifices did I make? And, you know, even myself, I don't do that enough. You know, I kind of just do. Yeah. Um, but sometimes you really need to reflect and, and understand, you know, what really, what, what did it really take to get here? And maybe, you know, it's not just you, but it's the people you meet, the people you get to know, uh, and the, the experiences that you have that really kind of make you a person and make you a, a, a good designer at the end of the day. Um, and sometimes you just need to revel in like, okay, yeah, you know, I've, I have done a lot and yeah. I have, you know, you really need to respect the, the fact that you've kind of come a long way. <laughs> And, you know, some people don't do that enough, yeah. but I think they said. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Evan. I'm really glad you were here for this. Um, fantastic to yeah, talk to you course. and to catch up. Um, where should people go to connect with you? Yeah, of course. You can find me on, on LinkedIn. I'm pretty active on there. Um, I am in the middle of putting my portfolio back together, but it's been crazy over this new job transition and everything, just finding yeah. time to even do that but uh no definitely reach out on my linkedin i always love to to hear from kind of junior designers and and do have like i love i love coming in for for talks or conversations uh i do you know try to visit general assembly every time that i every opportunity i can to talk to new designers and, and just get a sense of like you know what's going on in the industry with our with our youth in a way you know what yeah. what are our new designers really kind of thinking um because that also keeps us on our toes too you know what are, what are our new trends and, and topics so I always love to kind of go back to my roots in a way, even though it was what, four years ago, but like yeah. <laughs> really understanding, you know, where people, you know, where, where, where this industry is going. Cause it really is going where, where our junior designers really kind of are coming from and, yeah. and what we, you know, how they, how they grow into this industry. It really is kind of becoming to be their, their industry. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, one of my students last night introduced me to NFTs, and I went down that rabbit hole. So now, yeah. oh yeah, I heard of that, and um, yeah. I, I'm not, <laughs> I'm afraid to to open that that Pandora's box yeah. yet. But uh, yeah. interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a deep one. Um, but thank you so much, and I will link everything into the show notes. Uh, it was wonderful to catch up with you, and I hope we can yeah, catch up sometime soon, and uh, you know, have a cocktail or something. <laughs> <laughs> 
it's been a while. So. Oh, of course. Hopefully when, when all this craziness is over. Um, but yeah, no, thank you for having me on. And, you know, I wish you the best of luck with this. Uh, Thanks, man. And, Appreciate it. And all your viewers. Yeah. Thanks, buddy. Okay. And that's the end of the show. Um, it was really fun to talk to Evan and catch up. Really excited for him and his new role. And the intro music uh, for this show is actually done by one of my design students at springboard.com. Um, Davey Reck is his stage name, um, real name David Anderson. He will be out looking for a job in UX in the next few months. So if anybody's looking for a very gifted and talented, musically minded uh, new UX designer, um, hit me up and I'll connect you too. Again, thanks for joining today and can't wait to talk to you next week.